0: Wow, uh, good to see you out. Yeah, I know that there's a lot going on in a lot of your lives this week. Pray for Larry and Teresa Parrish. They decided this is a good week to move to Hawaii. And so this is their last Sunday. They're headed out on Saturday, and I'm sure you'll want to greet them and wish them well, and aloha and all that other stuff. It's the first Sunday in May. Wahoo! Uh, April was a, seemed like a little bit longer month for some reason. Uh, tomorrow is May the 4th Be With You Day. And it's also, ironically, my younger sister Sharon's birthday. And I won't tell you how old she is, but she moves ever closer to going over the hill. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, great to see all of you this morning. We actually uh, are so excited to have you here in this place. And I know many are watching the live stream right this second at home. Uh, We're starting a new series this morning where we will go verse by verse through the book of Philemon. And so you can start heading that way. In the first century, an itinerant church planner named Paul wrote a personal letter to a Christian landowner named Philemon. Uh, on behalf of of an imprisoned slave named Onesimus. And the book's only 25 verses long. If you're looking for it right now, it comes immediately before Hebrews, uh, the book of the Bible that reminds us how much God loves coffee. And some of you will get that later today. Uh, Each week of the series, we're gonna cover a portion of this personal letter that Paul wrote from prison in 64 A.D., And I think it's pretty neat that we have the correspondence of a first-century missionary to read in 2020. It reminds me how great our God is in every way, but specifically in the miracle of inspiring and preserving His Word. All right, everybody. Did you make it to Philemon? Everybody there? I guess I better go there. Philemon. Ah, I found it. We're going to read the first seven verses this morning. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Athia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. And by the way, this is an excellent model for writing a persuasive letter. Start with the communication of faith which is what we'll see this morning. We take that phrase from verse number six. Start by telling the person how much you like him, uh, how thankful you are for him, what a blessing he's been to you before you ever ask for anything. And this morning, we're not even gonna get into the reason why Paul's actually writing the letter. That's coming up uh, on next Sunday on Mother's Day. And we have some special plans for Mother's Day uh, that I want to share with you for just a minute. I I know that some of our mothers are staying safe at home today, and we're all for you doing that. But next Sunday, we are going to have a Mother's Day parade at 11 o'clock. And I'm gonna ask everybody who comes to the service live to stick around for a few minutes and form down the sidewalk a waving party and then as mothers drive in and drive by, we're going to give them a gift, and we're all going to greet them. And so it's going to be a very special Sunday. Now, I was supposed to be in Africa next Sunday, but I can't go there. And so I'm going to be here, so I'm excited about it. And it, it, so if, if you're able to drive to the church, mothers, next Sunday and roll down your window, we have a special way to recognize you. And if you aren't able to do that, we still want you to be involved yeah, and we're going to send all this out uh, by email and social media this week, the instructions. Uh, but that's what's going on next Sunday on Mother's Day. Now, uh, I can see that we have uh, 12 sections today, and we do have some people in every section. So next Sunday, we're going to do it uh, same time, same bat time, same bat channel. And we're going to see how it goes. Uh, once we hit our capacity in all 12 sections... Then we're going to have to add the second service back in. Uh, but for right now, we'll, we'll do it that way. Uh, many of the small groups have been asking what the plans are. If your small group can meet uh, the social distancing requirements in the place where you meet, whether it's a house or here at church or out in a park or whatever, then you are free to start doing that. Uh, ladies Bible study is free to start back up. Uh, we have a special study on Tuesdays that meets here at the church. Uh, and yeah, they're free to meet back up and all the different adult classes. So uh, many of you know, I know have been asking about that. And you're able to start doing that now as long as you uh, meet the requirements. And some I know are still meeting by Zoom and, and other various ways. But we are going to break down this passage now this morning in Philemon chapter one, the communication of faith. And we're going to see four specific values that Paul shared in his opening statement to Philemon. And uh, I think we have notes provided online, and we also have paper notes for those who are able to come into the building. So let's talk about, first of all, that we are equals in Christ. We are equals in Christ. Look again at the opening words of the letter. Paul, a prisoner. So Paul's currently in prison. And Timothy. Timothy's standing by in case Paul can't see the words on the paper. Paul, we think, has really poor eyesight. He's writing to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. And then Paul includes the members of Philemon's house. His beloved wife, Aphia, and likely his son Archippus, uh, who Paul calls our fellow soldier. And we find out that they have a church meeting in their house in Colossa. Now, I want to consider for a second these terms, fellow laborer and fellow soldier. Philemon and Archippus were equals with Paul. In Colossians 4, we understand that Archippus had specific ministry duties in the Colossian church. I want you to think about something. By 64 AD, when this letter was written, Paul had already experienced a great deal of ministerial success. He was known throughout all Christian churches in the world, okay? There's only one other person who was known in all Christian churches in the world. His name was Jesus. Uh, So Paul was pretty widely known In fact, he had started a great number of the Christian churches in the world, either physically, himself, or through the ministers he had mentored. And yet, now he writes to Philemon and Archippus, and he begins by reminding them, we are equals. See, Paul fully understands that the ground is completely level at the foot of the cross, Paul called himself in another place the chiefest of sinners. He knew that he was only a sinner saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. And Paul didn't grow entitled. He didn't forget where it came from. He didn't start the letter with his own greatness. He started with grace. To brothers and sisters who were equal in Christ. As he had written to the Galatian church six years before, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you want to offer the communication of faith, it starts with this. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We're all undeserving of God's grace. We are equals And I want nothing but God's best for your life. That's a pretty good place to start, right? Okay, I want you to imagine for just a second, it's 1974. Okay, how many were around 1974? Okay, gas is 53 cents a gallon. Not much higher than now, actually. Uh, A stamp is 10 cents. The world population is under 4 billion. There's a new book out called Jaws. The number one song is Kung Fu Fighting, the Oscar-winning movie is The Sting, the most popular television show is All in the Family, followed by Sanford and Son. How many even know what that is? Okay, well, that's good. Uh, the toy of the year is this primitive video game, which back then wasn't primitive, it was pretty cool, it's called Pong. Right? And how many of you are still with me? You got what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, Connect Four, the most popular board game. Connect Four. Uh, the year before, in 1973, Billy Graham has just finished his largest crusade with over 1.1 million people in South Korea. And now he writes a letter to a pastor in the smallest town in Iowa, not to be confused with Idaho. Uh, the town is Beacons Field, population 15. Now imagine uh, you're the pastor, Pastor Herb Hinkmeister. And uh, all this, this is a made-up story, okay? <laughs> it's okay. Uh, his name's Her- Herb Hinkmeister. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door, a special delivery for you. You tear open the package. It's a handwritten personal letter, Billy, a minister of Jesus, to Herb My dearly beloved and fellow laborer, Herb, I'm blessed by your work in Beaconsfield. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you think Herb would be a little surprised, right, by this letter? Uh, How do you suppose old Herb would feel reading these opening lines? I think he'd feel pretty encouraged because he would see that Billy and Herb are equals in Christ, Paul and Philemon are equals in Christ. Paul started the communication of faith by speaking to other ministers with equality. Speaking of other ministers, I want you to be praying about two young families that are soon trying to move here to Caldwell over these next couple of months. Timothy and Chantel Cole are looking to be here by the beginning of next month. And we actually have a picture uh, and Tim will become the next generation pastor at Centennial, which means he oversees all under-18 ministries. Uh, it is hard to believe it may just started. Uh, Cole and Sharon Crownover left us right about a year ago, and we've been praying and seeking the right couple since then. And now God has provided Tim and Chantel to come in in that role. Also, I want to be praying for Tyler and Jamie Smith. Uh, Tyler is going to be the next principal at Centennial Baptist School, and they're looking to arrive in the beginning of July, and he was just here looking for houses the last couple of days. I hope you'll be praying for both of these families. And and so, let me give you their names again. If you want to pray for them, put them on your prayer list, right? Tim and Chantel Cole, okay? So, Tim and Chantel Cole, and Tyler and Jamie Smith. Tyler and Jamie Smith. And I just thought I'd throw that in at this point since we're talking about the communication of faith. Now, let's move on to this next part in the passage in Philemon. You are valuable to me. You are valuable to me. This next step of communication of faith is so powerful. Look at verse 4. He said, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers making mention of thee always in my prayers. Now, he says, Philemon, you are valuable to me. I thank God for you. You're so important to me that I talk to God about you on a regular basis. Now, when, when somebody talks to God about you on a regular basis, that means they value you. right? That, that means that you are important to them. And it's uh, it's hard sometimes to gauge it because you don't know who all is lifting you up to God always. But maybe when somebody sends you a, a handwritten card or a, a personal text or email, they say, my friend, I thank God for you. I'm praying for you today. What does that communicate to you? It communicates that you are valuable to that person. Now, it's interesting that I prayed about doing this series all the way back in the fall, And God had given the green light for us to put it on the calendar because he knew how much we need the proper communication of faith right now at this time. We need exactly what Paul wrote to Philemon almost 2,000 years ago. What is the best way to express that a person is valuable to you? Clearly, it is to make mention of his or her name in prayer. At the same year that Paul wrote to Philemon, he also wrote to the church in Philippi. He said to them, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And then he said to this, this in Philippians uh, chapter two, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, Let each esteem other better than themselves. Have value toward other Christians and toward other people. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then he introduced a phrase that would go down in history. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And ever since then, people have been talking about the mind of Christ. Now, what's the mind of Christ? Well, he humbly ministered. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And only the mind of Christ, only humility, will alert us to the significance of others in relation to ourselves. let's kind of dissect this a little bit. What stops us from seeing other people as valuable? Well, I'll give you a hint. It has to do with what we see instead of others, right? When we only see ourselves, other people aren't valuable to us. When, When the questions I ask is, what do I feel? What do I want? What do I need? How can I find contentment? Other people won't be valuable to me. And uh, Paul says that's not the way Jesus thought. Uh, Jesus took upon him the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Uh, and so Paul says well, we have to have this mind of Christ to be able to treat other people as valuable. And now, as he writes to Philemon, he reveals that he's thinking of the value of others. He's thinking of the value of Philemon and Aphia and Archippus. And next week, we're going to see he's thinking of the value of a slave he had recently met named Onesimus. In fact, the entire reason for this letter in the first place is a selfless recognition of the value of others. Paul's not writing this on behalf of himself. He doesn't need anything. He's writing this on behalf of others. And our communication reveals what's valuable to us, doesn't it? When we talk, we show our value system. And it doesn't matter where we talk and when we talk, our value system comes out. People will notice right away what's important in our lives, right? they'll know really quickly whether or not we hold them as valuable or as pawns to be used to get something. Uh, I'm enjoying seeing how teachers uh, all across the nation and here at Centennial Baptist and other schools are showing students how valuable they are during this time. And uh, I've seen they're finding the most creative ways to interact and make children feel important. And uh, the other day... Uh, a couple of our teachers got together, and they had uh, a, re- a shared recess at a park where they could keep all the requirements and ride bikes and have fun. Uh, I, I Look, I know people are busy right now, and yet uh, we're finding ways to interact. We're finding ways to make each other feel important. Some people are still doing the same job they've always done. They're as busy as they've ever been and uh, doing their normal jobs, normal schedule. But you know what makes people feel valuable? When you pray for them, when you listen to them, when you give them your undivided attention. And boy, I'll admit, this one is hard for me. Okay, it always has been. Uh, Because my brain is going, and even when I'm at home, I've got stuff that I'm thinking, doing emails, reading, studying, learning French. Sometimes I hear the voice of my kids and I just go on about my business and, and then the voices get louder and louder. And I either stop what I'm doing and engage them with value or I tell them to leave me alone, okay? Just kidding, sort of. Um, <clears throat> the last couple of weeks though, uh, after the kids are all in bed, Uh, I'll hear this little voice from downstairs, Daddy, Daddy. Somebody who learned just to say Daddy a couple weeks ago. And nobody's crying or anything. There's no emergency. Somebody just wants attention. And I've been going down there, which is really a bad mistake because it's going to come back to bite me. Uh, It's turning into a habit now. And when I get downstairs, there's my little buddy in his bed, And he points to the rocking chair and says, Peas, Daddy, peas. He doesn't know how to say rock. So he just says, Peas, Daddy, peas. And so I rock him and spend some time praying for him. Why do I do that? Because he's valuable to me. Uh, When our Sophie was a little girl, and still even to this day, this has been happening since before she was two. Um, I would kiss her goodnight, and we'd pray with her and get her all tucked in. And she would say, Daddy, check on me one minute. That's when, before she was two. Well, after she turned two, she would learn a little bit more about numbers. And she would say, Daddy, check on me in one minute. So I'd come back and check on her. And then she'd say, Daddy, check on me in two minutes. So I'd come back and check on her. And she'd go up to eight or nine, (laughs) right? I mean, she just kept it going, right? She wouldn't fall asleep. And still to this day, she's seven, and she'll say, Dad, you need to check on me in five minutes. Um, Because why? They like attention. They like to be valued. They like to be loved. And we all can be better at communicating to people that they're valuable to us. And and God wants us to think about how could we be better at that. And I really learned some things from Paul as I saw uh, these verses, and I want you to add to them now, verses five and six, as we move forward. And you guys are doing great, by the way, for being at live church. I mean, this is crazy. I thought that all of you would be checked out by now because church has become shorter. Have you noticed? We have to do shorter church to keep the attention span because you've got dogs running around and you've got to get another cup of coffee and... Uh, the delivery man's at the door, but everybody's doing pretty good here. Verse five, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now let's see this third part. Your influence is made effectual by By your approach. Your influence is made effectual by your approach. Now, let's break that down. What's that mean? He says, Philemon, look, I've heard how you're serving God by serving others. And I'm praying that the communication of your faith will be effectual. I'm praying that your influence will expand. I'm praying that God will enlarge your territory that you'll have new ways to minister and new people to serve. But first, let's acknowledge that every good thing that is in us only comes one way, through Jesus. We don't have anything to communicate without him. We don't have anything to offer without his love and grace. And Paul is letting Philemon know that his influence is made effectual by his approach. What does that mean? Well, look, there are people who think that they have something to offer, right? They're all that and a bag of chips, right? They, they've got something to offer to the world. And if you think that you've got something to offer personally because of who you are, your influence is gonna be limited. But if you realize that what you have to offer comes through Christ your influence will be unlimited, right? If we realize that what we have to give to the people around us comes through Jesus, then come through us, our influence will be unlimited. The communication of faith doesn't do anyone any good if it's not grounded in Christ. And, and while this seems like a no-brainer, I promise you it's not because there are a whole lot of Christian Uh, who think that it's their winning personalities that will influence people for God. Uh, When I was growing up, uh, there was a pastor that came to our church, and he he could preach like nobody's business. He's one of the greatest preachers I had ever heard in my life. And later it was found out that for two years he had been traveling across the country, and in every city where he went, uh, he had been doing immoral things. And then he's preaching the revival at uh, at a church all week, and he's doing immoral things in that city, and then he'd go to another city and do the same thing. And eventually it got found out, and his ministry was destroyed. And everybody said, well, what in the world? How could it happen? Well, because he thought that his personality was strong enough to carry uh, his ministry. It's not. Only Jesus is strong enough to carry our ministry. And if we think that we have the personality or the gifting or the abilities to influence people for God without God, we are sorely mistaken. There are, there are Christians who think that their strong, always right opinions is what's going to sway people. And you know, uh, I, I've been having to do a lot more social media stuff that I'm used to, that I'm comfortable with. Uh, And uh, we could easily get on and give every day strong opinions about COVID or or being uh, provocative about political issues. But you know what people need most right now isn't our opinions. They need the Word of God. They need Jesus. And provocative and political opinions might get you more clicks, but will it influence people for Christ? Right? If I'm going to give my opinions... I'm going to do it sitting with my son, Cody, because he and I both are really opinionated about political stuff, but I'm not going to do it at church or on Facebook, Uh, because uh, Jesus is what people need to hear. And Paul could have said, Philemon, let me tell you, that new emperor in Rome was a real psycho. By the way, he actually was. It was Nero. Uh, Philemon, the prison conditions are atrocious. And we should probably form a protest about how we're being treated down here in the Mamertine prison. No, he said, Philemon, the communication of your faith will be more effectual when you acknowledge what Jesus is doing in you first. And he says this from one of the most horrible prison facilities in the history of the world. He lifts up Jesus. Jesus. And he says, Jesus is still working. And even though God has given you a a personality to be used for his glory, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. He says, Philemon, let's save our personal opinions about this and that for another day, and let's share Christ. Let's preach Jesus. I like what one guy said. He said, if your preaching doesn't fit any crowd in any country in any age, it's not biblical preaching. I think that's good, right? Uh, You listen to the sermons on the radio, Oliver B. Green, some of those guys. Those sermons were preached 50, 60 years ago, and they're still fresh today. Why? Just the Word of God. Simply the Word of God, not getting too far afield. And he says, listen, uh, let's preach Jesus. You say, Pastor, but I want to know what you think about stay-at-home orders or about the advisory committee uh, or the YouTube video with the doctors from California or the election in November. Well, we're going to save that for another day because Jesus is the only long-term solution anyway, right? We don't have Jesus. We have no long-term solution. And and so we preach Christ, and our influence is made effectual by our approach. I want you to look at verse 7. For we have great joy at consolation in Thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by Thee, brother. Now, anytime you're reading the New Testament, and it talks about bowels, it's not the same way we talk about it. Okay, it's talking about the inner being, the core person. It's not talking about you need to take some Pepto Bismol. Okay. So he says, your service is refreshing to the saints. This is the last part of the message. Your service is refreshing to the saints. He says, Philemon, my fellow laborer, I sure do thank God for you. You're constantly in my prayers. I value you as a brother and friend. There's so many good things in you in Christ Jesus. And, And my friend, I am overjoyed at how refreshing you are to the saints of God. Now, Now, what are some of the things that you find refreshing? Okay, so right now I want you to go refreshing in your mind. Maybe you're thinking of a mason jar filled with iced strawberry lemonade and the glass is sweating. And you're sitting on a dock on Warm Lake with your feet in the water. Or maybe you just open the dryer door and that fresh smell of clean laundry hits you. And uh, you hold the warm towels to your face for a second. That's either refreshing or weird, okay? Uh, uh, maybe it's the first day of 90-degree weather, and, and you put the top down on the convertible, and you buzz through a drive through because no restaurants are open. Um, maybe you're on a catamaran, and... Uh, The salt water is spraying you in the face because you just moved to Hawaii and went through 14 days of quarantine and then went out on a boat. Um, Maybe you're playing in the fountains downtown or, or maybe you're watching the sunset from your deck. There are things that you find refreshing. That's why you do them. But what about people? Aren't there just certain people that are always a breath of fresh air They're just refreshing. They don't bring drama. They don't bring negativity. They don't bring you down. They're refreshing. Well, Philemon was apparently one of those guys. People were refreshed to the core of their beings by him. And, And folks, the impact you leave will either be encouraging and lift people's eyes toward Christ Or it will be discouraging and drop their eyes toward the hardships and flaws of people on earth. And I'll tell you this, if you're looking for flaws and weaknesses, you are going to find them because they're here in all of us. I heard a saying years ago, I don't even know who to give credit to for this one, small minds discuss people. Average minds discuss events. Great minds discuss ideas. That's a secular saying but it holds a lot of truth. If you reword it to fit the faith framework it might go like this. Small minds discuss people's weaknesses. Average minds discuss earthly opinions. Great minds and ways to meet needs through Jesus. You know a critical spirit is not refreshing to anybody. Not refreshing to anybody. And every person and every church has weaknesses. Every person on the planet has problems, right? And I was reading an article the other day and it said, listen, mega church pastors, they have just as many problems as small church pastors, but people don't know it because they're more separated from the crowd. And in the small church, people figure out quickly that the pastor has issues. Uh, But the larger the church gets, the more separate the pastor is from the crowd. And so he's just kind of this figurehead. He's just kind of this idea. And only the people in his inner circle figure out he's a human being. But we're all human beings, and we've all got problems. And if we fall into the mode of a critical spirit, we will find plenty of things to criticize. Because none of us are immune from having problems. And opinions, uh, you know, they're usually not that refreshing either, right? (laughs) Unless it's somebody who agrees with you or that you agree with. I think my mother one time said that opinions are like armpits, but I don't know if I should talk about that at church. Uh, But anyway, but, but meeting needs through Christ, that's refreshing. That's encouraging. That lifts people's eyes to Jesus like nothing else. Jesus said that we're to be lights to the world so that they may see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. That's the Jesus model. That's the Paul model. That's the Philemon model. Hopefully, that's the model you're practicing in the world today as you communicate the faith. But here's the faith challenge. Okay, and it's a question. How does the communication of your faith need to be adjusted to serve others for Jesus' sake? We may all need a little bit of adjustment today. You need to have your humility adjusted. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. If you don't see other people as your equals, you may be struggling with Pride. Maybe you've been so focused on yourself that you've failed to see the value in other people. You haven't stopped to give others your full attention. And it could be that you've been trying to influence people by your own ideas, by your own personality and your own strengths, instead of opening the door to unlimited influence through Christ. And then there's this question of whether or not you're encouraging or discouraging to the people in your life. As Paul wrote to Philemon, he started by greeting him with the communication of faith. There are a lot of incredible applications in this tiny book that we'll uncover in these next several weeks. But then how will we apply them? How can we apply what we've seen from God's word today? How can we become more encouraging to others through Jesus Christ? And it, it means we have to get real, right? And it's, it's hard to do this. Like, if you ask people who are close to you and people uh, who will be honest with you, hey, do I encourage you or do I discourage you? Here, here's what's hard about it. If you're the type of person who discourages them, they're afraid to even tell you because then they're going to go and talk about you and discourage other people. So so these issues are really complex, but the communication of faith is a possibility through Jesus Christ. And Paul, as he begins this letter to Philemon, he said, listen, I want the communication of your faith to be effectual in Christ Jesus. And that's what God wants for all of us today. Now let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that we could be in this place today. And Lord, right now, would you allow the Holy Spirit to adjust in our hearts the communication of faith? We know that you've given us each different personalities and different gifts and abilities and opinions. But would you show us how that we could adjust to make our influence more effectual through Jesus Christ. Could you make us more like you? Could you give us the mind of Christ in our interactions this week? And as we go out and talk to a very complex world, I pray that the simple truth of the good news of Jesus would prevail. Guide us, empower us this week, Build a hedge of protection upon these, your people, who are here and who are at home. And we'll thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.